what I, I refer to that approach as the niche tribe model. And really the ingredients of that, if anybody's listening, you're like, I really like to start working for myself, but I'm just so overwhelmed by all the things I have to do, or I'm not quite sure what I want to do. Now, there is no easiest way to start a business, but I will tell you the simplest way. There's four learning curves that we don't realize that we're going through when we're starting a business. One, managing yourself, which is the hardest thing. Number two, validating your idea. Will people even want this? Are they going to pay you money for it? Number three, setting up the business. And number four, finding customers on a regular basis. Welcome to Social Post, a podcast brought to you by Meet Edgar. Each week, we bring you a guest to inspire your creativity, breathe new life into your marketing strategy, and get you motivated to take action in your business. Whether you're just starting out or a seasoned entrepreneur, you'll walk away feeling like you took your social media marketing multivitamin. Enjoy the interview and remember, what's possible for them is possible for you. And we can't wait to see your success. Hey, Social Post listeners, I'm so excited today to be joined by Stephen Worley, and he is going to dive deep on some really cool concepts about social media, about finances, and about making sure that you set yourself up for success as a small business owner. Now, Stephen owns a website, Life Skills That Matter, and he believes that work right now is fundamentally changing, and I'm excited to hear a little bit more about that. So I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to him to introduce himself a little bit further, and then we'll get into a fun discussion. So Stephen, go right ahead. Thank you so much, Megan. Super excited to be here. And I think we've all had a preview in the last several months of how work is fundamentally changing. <laughs> and I know there's a bunch of us who are like, keep asking me, when's it going to go back to normal? And I was like, um, nope, this is it. I mean, think about it. We're the latest, what I've heard, the vaccine's not going to be widely available until the third quarter of next year. And the longer we all live and work this way, that is going to have an impact of how we're going to go back uh, in, in terms of going forward. We're not going to just switch back to like March 14th, 2020. I don't foresee that happening. And I don't know about you, Megan, but a lot of my friends that work in the conventional work world are like, I kind of like having this flexibility. I mean, it's not perfect, right? I mean, usually what I advocate is a transition going from a conventional employment opportunity into working for yourself. Usually that is a process over two years, maybe longer. For a lot of people, this was a crash course. So I always remind all of my friends and like all of your listeners know, like this is that is not normal. <laughs> Usually, it's not a crash course. There is a transition. So I've been working for myself for 20 years. My 20th anniversary I was laid off election day 2000, and I could never imagine going back into a traditional conventional office. And I think a lot of a lot of us are wondering are starting to realize that as well. And the final thing I just want to leave with people. I have worked in a lot of different type of solopreneur businesses, and this latest version I've been working on for the past five years is to really help people get more comfortable with the idea of working for themselves, because I think that is going to be the more common form of work, and that process just got accelerated thanks to this pandemic. 
Yeah, I completely agree with all those sentiments. And me, Edgar, being a remote team ourselves, have seen a lot of really great benefits of having the freedom and focus that it takes from having a really strong team who's willing to work remotely over the years. And I'd love for you to share a little bit more about your story beyond this. I know that you have had such great success, you know, generating over $600,000 annually from just 50 potential clients, but only working 20 hours a week. So you have some really cool secrets up your sleeve, I know, about how to manage this remote work as well as how to managing yourself, generating this income and putting your mission out into the world. So can you dive a little deeper into that? Yeah, that was in my previous business. And I tell you, I mean, I just fell into that secret. And it was really more that I just kept listening, looking back about, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but looking back, really listening to my inner voice to say, you know, do I want to be on a plane three to five times a month to deliver customized trainings? I was doing sales trainings or teaching radio and television stations how to sell digital advertising. And I decided to be like, what if I just like put this online? And this was like 2007. And it uh, turns out that there were other people who were like, yeah, I'm interested in that. And I had other trainers who were like, yeah, I'll participate in, with you on that project. So we had four trainers to start. But the other thing I didn't want to do is like, well, I don't want to go around to 2,000 television stations and 10,000 radio stations to sell this. So there's 50 broadcast stations, 50 broadcast associations in the United States, give or take, and because some represent multiple states. And I decided to go through them to sell this service. So it was like they bought it as a bulk rate, then they sold it to their members or they gave it to their members for free. So it severely reduced the amount of time that I had to spend on sales because I only had to talk to 50 potential clients. So in the first year, we sold eight of them. And at our height, we had 32 of the 50. And so that, what I, I refer to that approach as the niche tribe model. And really the ingredients of that, if anybody's listening, you're like, I really like to start working for myself, but I'm just so overwhelmed by all the things I have to do, or I'm not quite sure what I want to do. Now, there is no easiest way to start a business, but I will tell you the simplest way. There's four learning curves that we don't realize that we're going through when we're starting a business. One, managing yourself, which is the hardest thing. Number two, validating your idea. Will people even want this? Are they going to pay you money for it? Number three, setting up the business. And number four, finding customers on a regular basis. So what I tell people, I'm like, all right, why don't we narrow this down to two things? Why don't you do something that you're good at already? That's easy to be turned, you can turn it into a freelance opportunity, consulting, coaching, training. Like for me, I was really into digital marketing. And then I, I then the second piece of this is like finding the customers and validating and validating. I was kind of taking care of three is I came into the broadcast world. And this was, yeah, I know, sad to say in 2007, like broadcasters were still just catching on to digital marketing and advertising. But I was, I was like one of the only people doing it. So it was like, I became their go-to expert. And that's kind of the heart of what I call the niche tribe model. What, who are people that you know that have a problem that you can solve with skills that you already have? Or you're real, if you don't have those skills that you're really interested in learning how to do or explore, you're super passionate about committing to that. And you have this limited amount of clients. And the idea is that you be kind of become their go-to expert. Think about like in your, like Megan, you're in your, maybe your neighborhood. Like, do your neighbors, like when somebody's like, I need a, a plumber, like you probably know one of your neighbors, like, do you have a plumber recommendation? Or if you have like one of those types of skills, handyman, electrician, you like share it with your neighbors, right? 
Totally. Yeah. And, and it's like, the, it's like that electrician or that plumber becomes like the plumber and electrician of your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Same idea in a digital way. So, and that's the cool thing. I think many of us don't realize, Megan, that I've learned. Here's another little secret. Most of us could care less about becoming a millionaire. That <laughs> blows my mind, myself included. I just think, I just have very simple tastes. And my attitude is the more money you have, the more money you have to worry about. And like, there's more than enough to go around. So also with this niche tribe model is you actually need so many fewer potential clients to sustain the lifestyle that you want. Most of the people that we work with are totally fine making between $75,000 and $150,000 a year. They're even more excited when I tell them like, if we can set up your systems correctly with automation, you don't only really have to work about 30 hours a week-ish or less. And then you're doing something that you're pretty good at, you're confident in, and you're doing it for people that you know or at least hopefully like. And that's like the least sexiest marketing copy for people who do what I do for a living because everybody else out there, your social media feeds, I'm sure we all had these ads of, I'm gonna teach you how to make $100,000 in the next three months. Pay me 5,000. Guess who's getting rich? Not you. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I feel like this idea of simple, not easy that you mentioned was explained perfectly there. It's simple to do all of these things that you mentioned, like finding your niche, finding your passion, making sure you're getting out there in front of the right people. But it's not always easy to start doing that when you're transitioning from being in like a corporate environment to being a solopreneur, a small business owner working for yourself. So I'm curious in your business now, I know you are a part of a lot of different um, things online, you know, putting yourself out there on podcasts, having your own. If I'm someone who's just starting to make that transition and I'm getting really clear on the income that I need to have my life, I have my enough set up. What are some of the very first how-to steps that you would say get people with that great momentum that they feel like they can actually do this, get started and make some progress so that they again, get that momentum and don't give up on working for themselves. So I'm taking it as we're talking about somebody's working full-time they have their side business and they're now trying to like gear it up and have momentum so they can work on their business full time, right? Absolutely, yeah. Step number one, and I have this on our get started page, lifeskillsatmatter.com slash get started, the first five actions you need to take to start your business. Step number one, Megan, you need time. And everyone's like, oh yeah, I know that time. I guess, yeah, sure, I work on this like five hours a week. Sure, no problem. I'm like, really, consistently? things creep in. When you want to start something new in your life, you have to really consciously carve out time for it. You almost have to treat your side business as if you got a part-time job and you have a schedule. So I'm going to give you a quick little exercise, everybody. I want you to first make a big list of all of your tasks and responsibilities for your existing job. And then I want you to make one for all of your domestic chores, everything to run your life. Now I want you to categorize them in the following ways. Number one, I want you to eliminate stuff. See, we're all going so fast. We're all like running like mad women and and men in all these different directions because that's what we think is just the way we have to survive in modern life. Not true. You actually need to stop more and reflect. So you look at that big old list of things. You're like, gosh, I don't need to be doing this anymore. Why am I still doing it? Or at least you're giving yourself the chance to say, call yourself out. I'm like, why am I doing that? 
And again, I look at my to-do list every week and I always challenge myself to take two things off of it because I know my brain is always making stuff up. That That's an awesome strategy. Really yeah. <laughs> Few, the, the last three categories after you eliminate stuff, number two is delegate. You can, there's other people maybe on your team, maybe you all of a sudden you don't realize that your people kept putting stuff onto your plate, but then we're always not so good about taking stuff off of our plate. And then maybe the team grew or changed, or we've all kind of changed our work working remotely. So you need to stop and say like, is there somebody else on the team who's more appropriate to do this now? Or sometimes when you're working with yourself, you start thinking about like, how could I actually give some of this work to my potential clients to get them ready to work for me? And when I was 23 years old, one of my first jobs was at CBS News Sunday morning, like total the lowest person on the corporate ladder, right? No direct reports, no authority, no influence. But I still was able to delegate things up. You know, as people asked me to do different things, I started teaching them for them how, how they could do it. So it doesn't matter where you are in the hierarchy, there's always a way to delegate. Now, after you've eliminated and delegated, now you're automating, right? Look at, we're on this Meet Edgar podcast here, social post, right? And I use all kinds of automation tools and you can start using them too. Like for example, like just setting up meetings, like the ping pong match that people go through of like, hey, can you meet here? Can you meet there? And then God forbid if somebody like cancels meeting, you have to like start this whole match all over again. So I use a, a scheduler like Calendly or um, Meeting Bird, I think there's just so many of them. And that, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but that really saves you a lot of time just to be like, here's my schedule, go pick a time. And then it automatically sends reminders. So now what's left? The stuff that only you can do, that you really like to do, and that you're good at. I want you to then schedule stuff, monotask. So what I mean by that is when I have a podcast and I am not freaking out trying to get a podcast episode out every single week. I record all of my episodes on Tuesdays. So I'm in just an interview mindset. That's the only task I'm doing on Tuesdays is recording podcast episodes. And then once a month I record introductions and then all of that is shipped off to my editor to, to handle the rest of it. So that's what I mean as best you can. So even something as simple as errands, you know what I mean? Don't like do errands throughout the week if you can avoid it. Like, group them all together and say like, what's two hours on a weeknight that I can bang these all out and just get them done? Because your brain is in that mode. It takes a lot less energy. If you happen to be one of those listeners and you're like, yeah, Steve, I can multitask. Okay, it's an illusion. We, they, there's been studies on this. Your brain is literally a one track mind. All you're doing is switching back and forth between those things really, really fast. And what you're doing is you're depleting your energy more quickly and your willpower more quickly. So you're not gonna be able to do as much. So monotask if you can with what's left over. All right, that was a little bit longer, Megan, than you maybe what you were prepared for. But let me tell you people, it's about really starting. I mean, the thing about working for yourself is starting to own your attention, your energy, and your time. Oh my gosh, you read my mind. My follow-up question was going to be about what else you automate and you already answered that. So that was perfectly <laughs> done. I love those suggestions so much. And I completely agree. We teach the concept of batching your social media posts to make sure you're only creating them once a month and putting yeah. them into our scheduling tool. And when you think about that, that means only 12 times a year are you creating social media. And that other time can be spent on really getting in that flow state and focusing on other types of work. So that's cool to hear that you do that with your podcast and how you can take that concept of batching that our community is pretty familiar with to every single area of your business. So I'm so glad you shared that. 
Um, so cool. For the last little bit of this podcast, I would love for you, someone who's had a lot of remote work experience and who's on the road as a digital nomad a lot of the time, to talk to some of the challenges that have you faced working in different areas, maybe some tips and tricks that you could give us if we wanted to start working remotely in our own business or start kind of being a little bit more of a nomad who runs our business online. Is there any advice you wish you would have known before getting started or any tips that you can give our listeners? Before I do that, can I do one shameless plug about our lifestyle calculator? Oh, please do. <laughs> because a big part of just not understanding your time is really understanding your money. Instead of just mm. saying like, I want to be a millionaire, I want to make whatever, like you can calculate this. So we've designed a free lifestyle calculator. You can get it at lifeskillsatmatter.com slash calculator. It's a spreadsheet. Spreadsheets aren't your thing. Don't worry. We have videos to go along with it to like help you Love out. <laughs> Don't do it all at once. Just do it when you're able, but think of it as a journaling exercise. But it's also going to, the, the cool thing about our lifestyle calculator also shows you the impact on your time. Because a lot of times we work with a lot of heart-centered folks and they don't want to, they're nervous about how much they're going to charge for their service. And then we start playing around with the numbers. I'm like, you're going to have to work like 90 hours a week to, in order to hit what you need to make every year. They're like, oh, maybe I should charge more. They're like, yeah. So working nomadically. So I've, the first time I did it was in 2010. I lived in Seville, Spain for four months because I just wanted to like try it. And the, I think what, I, what I've learned was when you move from one environment to another, it takes you out of all of your existing habits, routines, and norms. And it kind of really baselines things against you. It kind of forces you to reconstruct your day on your terms, which most of us have never had the opportunity of only until recently because of this pandemic. When you think about it, you go to school, you go to college, you get a job. Whether you like it or not, somebody has always kind of told you how to use your time. And when outside of the pandemic, when you work for yourself or you decide to live nomadically, um, you have to be acutely aware of how you are designing your day. So one thing I tell people is, is you have to have some constants. What are some things that you're always going to do no matter where you are? Like, I know I need to walk a certain amount of time a day. I know I need to meditate at certain times. Um, I also know, I call it my peak performance period, the four hours a day when I have my sharpest mental clarity and focus. I know that's in the morning. Um, so I design, that's the foundation of my day where I reserve for my most important work. Uh, obviously, first question we're always asking wherever I'm living is like, how's the Wi-Fi? You know, what are my options? Um, and sometimes they're not always that great. And, and I think that also taught me to be more human. You know, I, cause we want to encourage people to build human businesses, not sanitized businesses where like a, a beauty of working for yourself is to get out of all this corporate mucky muck, you know? So a lot of the kind of the content that I create, yeah, you know, maybe there's a couple more typos and I want my blog posts or when you see videos on LinkedIn of me, it's in nature and like you hear the wind in the background, God forbid, you know, I'm not in some like white backdrop studio in my bedroom, you know, be real people. And I think that's the number one thing I've learned about how work is fundamentally changing as it was taught to you is it is now more valuable to be yourself. I know that sounds so cheesy, but it's so true because there's only one version of you that's ever walked this earth. This is our shot to experience you. The more you can be yourself, the more you will stand out. If you keep trying to live up to the ideals and standards of other people, because that's how, quote unquote, they became successful, you will get lost in the crowd. You will be so anxious or on the verge of burnout because you're trying to live in alignment with somebody else's life and not yours. 
That was so beautiful. I got chills thinking about that because you're so right. It's this idea of done being better than perfect because we all have so much to offer and we all can create these really awesome businesses and put content out there. But so much, I hear people stopping because they're afraid that they don't have that backdrop or they're afraid. I tell people like, like right now, you have everything you need. You do. And that's how, when you really look at any of your entrepreneur heroes, like go back to like the early, early days, go try to find some articles or if they have a biography or whatever, you know, old interviews. And what they did, the common secret was they made the best of what they had. Mm-hmm. They just, all right, this is what I got. And that's what's going to help make your business more unique and stand out too, counterintuitively. That's totally true. And I know this is the most cliche example, but everyone always says it, you know, you have the same amount of time in the day as Oprah does. And that's like essentially how Oprah got so big just by being herself, being authentic and using her time to create something that she felt could help the world. So I think this is a perfect place to end this podcast because I'm so excited. Can I say one quick little thing about time and energy? Oh, please, a little bit more. Yes. just because you're awake 16 hours a day does not mean every single hour is equal in terms of your, your available energy. From what my research, all the books I've read as a history major, tons of biographies, interviewed over 500 solopreneurs, you have about four hours at best of your sharpest mental focus, your maximum physical energy to do your most important work. That's it, people. So make the best use of it. Stop trying to beat yourself and live out of alignment with yourself. Deal with it, own yourself, and just make the best use of your limited resources. That's so, so true. I love it so much. So just to end, can you remind us a little bit more if we are taking our first steps into creating a life where we're running our own business and in charge of our own income, where they can get more help from you, remind us of where that calculator is and where people can get in touch with you after the podcast today. Well, if you're listening to a podcast, you probably like podcasts, so check out our podcast, Life Skills That Matter on your favorite podcast app. You can get the lifestyle calculator at lifeskillsatmatter.com slash calculator. And if you're starting out, head on over to lifeskillsatmaris.com slash get started to learn the first five action steps to start working for yourself. And we also have three different emailed coaching series that are free, the three most common obstacles people face to start working with themselves. So most people doing what I would do think I'm crazy for, they're going to, um, they're about six months in length right now, Megan, they're going to be a year long. And because this is a process, we learned that it's really about giving people the confidence and the clarity to be able to do this. It's not just learning the mechanics of business. Yeah, that is so, so true. And guys, I'll put those links in the show notes. So if you miss those, go ahead and head over to the show notes. Uh, You can grab them there. Go ahead and subscribe to Social Post for more awesome episodes like this and leave us a review to let us know what you liked about this episode. And we will be back next week. Steven, thank you so much for your time and sharing your tips with our community. Thank you so much, Megan. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for tuning in and be sure to keep the conversation going with us on social. We're at Meet Edgar on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So let us know your biggest takeaway from today's episode. And don't forget to tag us. Visit www.meetedgar.com and start a free trial to up-level your social media marketing strategy today. Happy posting.